James in chapter number 4. If you would follow with me in James chapter 4, once you have found that, please stand out of respect of God's incredible word. James chapter 4, verse number 7. James 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So there's two things that we're to do, two actions. First is submit. The second is to resist. The result then is the enemy, Satan, departs. Father, I pray that you'll help us to learn some good concepts today as Christians. I pray that you will use your word to speak to the lost that might be listening or here, that have not yet trusted Jesus as their Savior. Father, my prayer has been for them that they will learn to submit to Jesus Christ so that they can be saved, that they will yield themselves to Him and what He has done for them. I pray, Father, for we as Christians, that You will help us to, to learn this important subject and, and concept, to apply it to our lives. And Lord, it will be amazing to see what You will begin to do in our lives. Thank you for what you'll do now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. The simple concept I want to talk to us today about is this. Once we submit to God, it then starts to change the, the, the outcome, what we will be doing from that day forward. In other words, once we submit, we begin to experience then the power of God in our lives. In this text, um, to me it's going to be illustrated this way. I love sports. I love football. You know, I like a lot of different sports. Don't watch basketball too much anymore except for you know, our kids, you know, high school level and college some. But uh, the pros, it's like I don't watch. You know, it's just like all about me. Did you notice that? Yeah, we're down by 20 points, but I had a really good dunk. So put me on ESPN. It's like, I don't even care if the team won. I just want to be on ESPN. I want the highlight reel. So, you know, so this is my evaluation. Um, and you can disagree with me. I'm not a really uh, astute person when it comes to sports. But uh, I'm old enough to remember the beginning daisy of, of Michael Jordan. And it was the hype. It was all about him and what an incredible player he it was, and so I started watching, started watching the Bulls and everything. And as I watched the years, early years progress, some of you will remember, hey, he scored 40 points, he scored 50 points, he scored all of these points, but they never won the championship. They would go so far, and then they would fail. And as I watched him really evolve through the years, he began then to make it less about him and more team. So he started to get Pippen. He started getting these incredible three-point shooters, everybody involved. And it's amazing how once he made it a team, and I say him because he was the leader. They might doubt that one on that floor. I mean, this guy was an incredible athlete. But when he made it a team, six championships, and they could all say, we did it. It wasn't one person. No doubt he had maybe the highest scoring and, and the most blocks or whatever, 
But he knew when to dish it, and he knew how to, to get somebody else involved, to dish it somebody else, so they're making the easy shots. And it was amazing how there had to be from the leader a submission to the rest of the team to allow them to be part of it all. And then once they started working as a team, success started to come. Matter of fact, that one year, I mean, the amount of losses they had in the entire year was phenomenal. That few of losses to play that many games in a given year. And I, and I look at this to say, God explains many times that when we try to do things on our own, we're on our own, and most times we're going to fail. I want to give you a verse that shows you this concept. It's found in Ecclesiastes. And we're going to be talking about this book in, recent, in, in uh, to come weeks. But this is what he says in Ecclesiastes 4. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. In verse 11 he says, Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And then verse 12. If one prevail against him, in other words, if there's an enemy that goes against one person, two shall withstand him. In other words, if we get somebody on our side, we can then stand against this enemy, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. He's trying to tell us when we go in numbers and actually unify it creates a strength or a power that one cannot do alone. In the scriptures, there are men and women that were called to do something for God. I'm thinking of Moses. God comes to him and says, Moses, I want you to go in and I want you to tell, first of all, my people, the nation of Israel, that they're coming out of Egypt and they're going to go to the promised land. You're also going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him, let my people go. So Moses right away says, sure, Lord, I'd be glad to, right? <laughs> no. Multiple chapters go through the multiple excuses why Moses says, can't do it. I go to them, and they're going to say, who are you? They're going to ask, well, what's God's name? They're going to, he's looking at himself, and he's like, I, I can't. Do this. I, I can't do this. Matter of fact, if you are listening to me, Lord, when I talk, it's really slow. People, they don't want to. They don't want to listen to me. I, I'm not a great spoke. I'm not a great talker. I'm not equipped. He has all of these excuses. And God says, but I'm going to be doing the work. Now that rod that's in your hand, throw it down. Watch what happens to it. God says, this, just do what I'm asking you to do. I'll do the work. Just yield to me, and I will then empower you to do the work. But you can't do it on your own. It is not our eloquence of speech. And I wish I could say that to all preachers and teachers. We, we put so much emphasis on what we're doing and less on prayer and the power of what God is about to do. It's God. And so we submit to Him and then the power begins to happen. 
Joshua needed courage when it was time for him to actually lead the Jews into the land. So God comes to him and says, listen, you be strong, you be of good courage, and almost word for word, Hebrews 13.5, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So while going into these regions, as long as he was obeying and submitting and yielding to God, there was a victory that was taking place in his life. Samuel, he's just minding his own business, trying to get a good night's sleep, and he is here. The call from God. And he goes over to, to uh, the other man and says, brain freeze, and he's like, you ever have that? Yes, all the time. That's what it's like getting old. <laughs> brain freezes. So, so, he, so he goes and he says, if he talks again, just say, here am I. And he does. And he yielded. And the result of the yielding of God by Samuel is the power of God on his life. Guess who anointed the greatest king of all of Israel? David. You got it. All because he said, Okay, Lord, I yield to you. In this text, there's a group of words that keep bantering back and forth. And he's trying to show you two individuals in this text of James. The individuals that he is showing is those that resist God and those who submit or yield to God. Matter of fact, in the text, we're going to walk through two verses, actually, and show you this contrast that, that happens. And by the way, Christians, he's talking to us. He's not talking to the lost world. He's trying to get you and I on board with God. And you say, well, I don't ever resist God. Praise the Lord for you. You're not like the rest of us then. Because we all go through sometimes these battles. You're there in James. I want you to uh, read the two verses so that I can show you the, uh, the, uh, the contrast that is given. We're reading also verse 6. He says, but he giveth more, what's the next word? Grace, key word. He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God, what's the next word? God resists. So our another, next key word is the word resist. The word literally means to stand against. So if it's militarily, we're going to stand against the enemy. We're going to stand in opposition. And then he goes on and says this. God resisteth the proud, but giveth, here's the next word, grace again, unto, the next word, humble. Now he says, submit yourselves therefore to God. Here's our next word again. Resist, comes up again, the devil, and he will flee from you. So in verse number one, he shows this concept of, of grace that God wants to give. And the uh, awesome way of saying it is God gives more and more and more and more grace. It's as though it keeps coming our way. He giveth more grace. Wherefore, saith God, saith, he saith that God then resists the proud and gives them that grace to those who are humble. So character number one in this whole story is this. I am going to be looking at who God is. I'm going to have this 
this humble attitude, and God says, because you're humble, I'm going to give you this grace. And we'll develop that a little bit more in a second. And on the other side, God says, those who are proud, versus the humble, or who is the proud guy, what he is about is resisting God. So over here, the humble guy opens up, yields, and submits to God. God says, I'm going to give you grace. Over here, the guy that's proud, God says, no grace, because you're resisting me. You're standing against me, so therefore, you're on your own. We're not bound together. Remember First John, he says, abide with me. It's connection that we have with God. He's, again, talking to Christians. So over here, it's possible that you and I could say, Lord, I got this one. I don't like your way of doing it, so I'm going to take care of it, and I'm going to do it my way, because your way is so shallow, so simple. I got a better, more intense way of doing it. God says, you're going to do it in your own way? Have fun with that one, because you are on your own, because you're, you're, you're then going to take this pride, and God says, literally, I'm going to resist you. I'm standing against you because of the pride. So God tells us then as a result of this, submit. Who do you think is submitting, the proud or the humble guy? Pretty easy, isn't it, once you see it in light of that. So submit yourself. Humble yourselves before God. And then, as a result, we can resist the devil. Stand against him as a result of that. You say, well, in the text, what is he dealing with? He's dealing with you and I being victorious in our Christian life. Resisting sin. Resisting what Satan is trying to do against us. Causing us to fall. So if we're going to live a victorious Christian life in this crazy world that we're living in, God gives us how to do it. Many of us who are older have gone through the experiences of victory as a Christian and defeat. Many of us could look at times in our lives, sometimes it was even a long period of our life, we're fighting God, falling flat on our face, until God finally breaks us and we say, Okay, God, you win. And we finally humble ourselves and say, God, you're right, I'm wrong. And God says, Now I want to stop resisting you, and now I'm going to give you my grace. God's resisting us when we're full of pride and doing it our way. Because He's just waiting for humility. The humility, in the long run, is that which exalts us, lifts us up. So that's why it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may what? Exalt you in due season. See, we all want the exaltation without the submission. As soon as in our culture we say, You need to submit to this, this is what we do. Who are you to tell me what to do? Because we all know it all. And we all want to run our life. Well, I do too. I'm not yelling at you. I'm, I'm, I'm there. We all have it. 
made, how we want to do things. And so God is trying to take us and say, do you wonder why you're not living a victorious Christian life? It's because you haven't submitted to me. Simple as can be. You say, I know I submit and this and this and this, but this one, mm -mm, I'm not giving this one to God. And you just go like this to God and you're resisting Him. You're standing against Him even though the Bible says, Submit. We go, mm -mm, who does He think He is? He's just your Creator and your God. He doesn't know anything, I know. Your ways are above His ways. Your thoughts are above His thoughts. Right? Now, His ways... Right here in the Word, His thoughts are above our thoughts. Every generation thinks they're smarter than God. It's always been nothing new under the sun. Okay? There are always people like, I'm so smart because I wrote some great parable down, and so therefore they think they're smart. And if it opposes the Word of God, they're wrong, God's right. We just have to believe. Believing or faith is part of this whole yielded spirit to God. I believe what He says. I yield to what He is saying, so therefore I'm going to do that. And the result of that is grace. He gives grace to those that yield or submit. But He takes those who are saying, I don't want to do it your way, God. I'm going to do it my way. And God says, I'm going to resist that. And therefore you're on your own and you're going to be powerless. And that's when the devil comes in and he starts hitting you between the eyes, and we fall flat on our faces. It's because we did not couple ourselves together. We did not join through humility to Jesus Christ, and therefore we fall flat on our faces. As soon as temptation comes, the fiery darts start coming our way, we fall flat on our faces, and we find ourselves drunk in adultery, and doing all these things that we know what the Bible says, but I'm going to do it my way because I'm going to run my life the way I want it because I just want to be happy. And that's the biggest lie of the devil. Everybody wants to be happy. Well, what's joy? What's happiness? Therefore, we're going to get into Ecclesiastes and try to show you this world that we live in, this always the same. Same, same, same old. Nothing new under the sun. So we're going to talk about that. So over here, God is trying to take you and I and trying to give you and I, because we have humbled ourselves before Him, because we have submitted ourselves to Him, He says, I'm going to give you grace. You say, well, grace is great for, for lost people. For by grace are you saved through faith, right? Yeah, those wicked sinners, they need grace. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like we don't need grace? How does grace connect to you and I as Christians on an everyday basis? Well, 2 Corinthians 12 explains it all. You know the text. For whatever reason, once Paul was given this vision of glory, and he comes back and he says, I can't even tell you what it was like. He says right after that, to humble him, God gave, allowed Satan to put a thorn in his side. Messenger of Satan to buffet him. I personally believe because of Galatians and other scriptures that his eyesight was going. Galatians, he says, I know you would have given or plucked out your own eye for me. Why would he say that? You know, it, it seems like there was a problem with his vision. Other areas talk. So he's like, Lord, you know, 
can't see like I could when I was 20 something. Boy, just think how much more I could do for you if I had my eyesight back. I would go more trips, more mission trips. I'd do anything you want if you just give me my eyesight back. And God said, What? Not yet. Hold on. The first answer was, No. And then the second answer was, No. Again, no, 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 no. What is it when God says no? That's wrong. By the way, prayer reveals our heart in submission. When we're praying about something, God, you're the puppet. You have to see it the way I do and you do the dancing. Do exactly what I'm asking you to do. Doesn't work that way. He's God, we're not. So when God says no, that's the best thing for us. If you as parents never said no to your kids, can you imagine what they would be doing? They'd be like, hey, you know, I go to Grandma's house and I ask for a snack and she pulls out this five-pound chocolate bar. She says, have at it. Now come here and I'm hungry, I want a snack, and you give me broccoli. What is up with that? I don't like broccoli, I want chocolate. So, you know, it was just like, you know, when I asked you, and if we gave kids everything that they wanted, they'd be eating pizza for breakfast. They'd be eating pizza for everything, you know? No, they can't get what they always want. And then you wait for their reaction. Oh, you give, you give me that face. You never say that to your kid. You give, you wipe that off your face right now. And now what they showed you was, I'm resisting you. I stand in opposition to you, authority. It doesn't matter that you're going to work. You're paying the bills. You bought the food. You're paying for the electricity so I can run my little hair curlers and all that kind of stuff. Doesn't matter. They're paying for everything. These kids have their rights. Nah, you just lost it. You're the kid. So you have to yield. You'll do authority. Because the authority is trying to help you with what's best for the whole. Not for the moment. For the rest of your life. What's going to be best. We have a tendency in prayer to say, God, I want you to do this. And God says, no, I'm not going to do that. And we then begin to resist God. And we go to that... We go to that classic test. You know, if you just persevere in prayer, you just keep nagging God long enough and He'll get everything we're supposed to nag. You know, and that's how we interpret that. That's not what God meant, by the way. And so there has to be instead this yieldedness because as, as good old Russell Bailey, you don't know, you'll meet him in heaven someday. Coolest, coolest guy. He's, he's, I don't know, he was always old. <laughs> always old. You know, when I first met him, he was like, hundred years old. But anyways, so he stood up as one Wednesday night, and uh, I was a relatively young Christian, maybe two years old, maybe three years old, and he stood up, and we always have testimonies before Wednesday night service, and uh, he stood up, he goes, I just want everybody to know, every prayer that I have ever given to God has been answered. And I went, I went, wow, I'm a this guy is going to be my go-to person, and I'm going to get him to pray for everything, and I'm going to get that successful job. I'm going to get that awesome car, and I'm going to get that awesome everything that I wanted. And then he concluded, it is because I always pray according to the will of God. 
And as long as we're saying, God, whatever you want, and submit to Him, we're going to have it then. This is in 1 John. This is the confidence we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So, so we submit and we start yielding. And, and Paul is hearing this, no, no, no. So what God says, instead of healing, I'm going to give you something different. And that's when, say it all class, my grace. Now we're back to grace again. My grace is enough. My grace is all you need. My grace is sufficient for you. Now listen, my strength, God's strength, is made mature or perfect in our weakness. You want to find God's power, then you humble yourself and you say, I can't. So therefore, God says, I'm going to start giving you my grace that is going to enable you or empower you to do it. Now listen to what Paul's conclusion was. I will most gladly, therefore, glory in my infirmities. It wasn't just a thorn in the flesh. He, if you go back to chapter 11 of that same chapter, he talks about his shipwrecks, being stoned to death, being hurt by non-believers, robbed by people. He's naked at times because they ripped the clothes right off of him. He has no hung, uh, no no food. He's hungry, and he says fastings off. And then he says, and above that, the care for all the churches. He's the bishop over all these churches and trying to get Timothy and Titus and all these preachers underway answering questions and all that's happening. And he's like, how am I going to do this? I'm the glory in that stuff. Because when I am weak and I submit to God, God kicks in, gives the strength and the grace and the power to do it, and therefore we can't glory and say, I did it. Now you see it? God did it through me. I can do all things, is what the world says. Christians say, I can do all things through Christ. See the difference? Man stands alone in opposing God. And God says, we as Christians, don't take that stupid philosophy. You stop and say, I can't, but God can. And I'm going to bind with Him. I'm going to connect with Him and allow Him to do something. So as I receive the grace, He gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. So, so I'm going to take this time and I'm going to say, God, I'm yielding to You because I have been going through every dart from the devil. I've been going through all kinds of garbage from Him. So therefore, God, I'm going to come to You in prayer I'm going to submit to you in prayer. That's when God steps in and does this incredible thing that only God can do, and He empowers us. How do we resist the devil? I mean, literally. Is, is Satan real? Yes. And His ultimate goal is to take you and I and make us resist God and submit to Him. 
Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Resist the devil. Sadly, many times what we're doing is resisting God and submitting to the devil. You can't have both. It's either one or the other. So we stop and we say, God, whatever you want, then God says, I'm going to then empower you through the Spirit of God who is inside of you and enable you to stand against the wiles of the devil, the deception, everything he wants to do. And that is to cause you to curse God, go against God, resist God, just like he did in the book of Job. Satan is your enemy. And you can't beat him. You can't. But when two are together, we're warm. When two are together, we can get work done in the field. When two are together, they can resist the enemy. So God says, just connect with me. Just submit to me. You can't do it. You can't do it. You say, yes, I can. God says, okay, I'm resisting you. I can do it. I can do it. No, you can't. You know why many Christians live in a defeated Christian life? Because they're trying to do it by their own will. Will worship talks, it talks about in the Scripture. In other words, I can do this. And the result is failure. That's the works of the flesh. I can do this. You have addictions? You're probably trying to whoop at your own self. How's it working for you? Does it? It's all because we haven't come to God and submitted to Him and say, Honestly, God, you know what's going on inside of me, and here's my addiction. I'm yielding it to you because I can't win this battle. I submit to you, and God says, Thank you. Finally, you get it. Now I'm going to empower you to be able to overcome what Satan is doing against you. Because over here, in pride, we're trying to win it ourselves so that we can say, I quit drinking. I quit smoking. I stopped overeating. I stopped the porn. I stopped. I stopped. And guess who gets the honor? See, we love the pat on the back. The true Christian over here is going to say, I'm now going to submit myself and God gets all the glory for it all. I will therefore glory in my infirmities. I'm going to glory in these things because I can say the way I got through it is God in me strengthening me. It's very hard for us as Christians to show a physical evidence of the power of God. Very hard. Well, how, you know, the lost world is like, well, show me God. You know, prove him to me. Well, you say, okay, well, how did all this get here? You know, we go to creation. Rightfully so. We talked about that in January. We, we see what is out there, but the greatest way for you and I to show the power of God in this world today is by a transformed life. Period. What happened to you? And one guy, people were already starting to get mad at him because he just got saved a few weeks ago. He's telling me all this. He gets other mad at me. 
They're like, what's wrong with you? You're not cussing anymore. You're not listening to all of the jokes. He goes, I don't care. Can I give you your Bible verse for the day, though? What's wrong with you? I mean, how did they learn new Christian? Because in just a short amount of time, he, he says, my mama, she sends me a, my Bible verse for the day every day. And he wants to share it with all the co-workers. They have time to tell the dirty jokes. He says, I have time to share you some scriptures. And guess which is better? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. New creature. Brand new. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are come new. We walk in light. We become light to the world. Salt to bring a beautiful attraction to, to show the world, hey, this is beautiful. It's seasoned with salt. It's grace. It's good stuff. I'm one Christian who hadn't come here for a long time. And they came back to visit. And as they, I talked to them that way, they said, you know what I forgot about your church? is how graceful everybody is. What a compliment. Isn't that neat? They saw, because at work all they see is me, my agendas, hate, cutting out everybody. Instead, we show grace. We show a different side. And then they're going to say, what's in you? What's your hope? <laughs> Remember that one? What makes you tick? And now you have an open door. Now follow me. Now you become believable. Because that's what this world needs to see. Something that's believable. Because all they're seeing on this stupid TV is a bunch of preachers acting like nuts begging for money. What a shame that that's what reflects on all of us in Christianity. All they want is your money. All they want is power. They just want to buy another jet. And so sad, that's the stigma that's on us. And what should be on us is grace that reflects the power of God on our lives. The cross represents grace. Submitting to it. And so I close with this. Our Savior while he was on this earth, knew when it was time for the cross. He's explaining to his men, I'm leaving. You can't follow me now? Later you are, but not now you're not following me. And they're like, where are you going? How can we get there? Why can't we follow you now? They didn't get the cross. How many times we see in the Gospels Jesus saying, I'm going to be dying. <laughs> they just didn't get it. And they also didn't get the resurrection. It just they just couldn't get it until actual until it actually happened. But so he's with his men, he's saying, Listen, I'm gonna be leaving. And they're like, oh, we don't understand this. So he goes through the John fourteen, he washes the feet, you know, you know, all these different storylines, and then they leave and they go to a garden. And he says, Man, I need you to pray. Got an hour left. Need you to pray. And he says to his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, listen, watch and pray that you fall not into that temptation. Did Satan know, excuse me, did Jesus know Satan was at work at that hour? That's why he brought this whole thing up. Connect prayer with the will of God. Connect prayer with submission to God. 
And then the empowering comes. So he, Jesus, goes by himself. And in this prayer, isn't it powerful that God reveals the prayer of Jesus in his word? And he says, Father, let this cup pass by me. That was the request. But the yielded spirit says, But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Satan, I guarantee you, was leaning around a corner of one of those trees, watching. Resist the Father. Resist. You don't have to die. Remember I told you, all these kingdoms, I'll give you them right now. You're so important. You're above this. You don't have to suffer. Don't go through it. Resist. And instead, Jesus gives us the most incredible example. And He yields. And the result is the power of God to enable Him to endure the cross. Follow me. But Hebrews says, with joy. With joy. This walk with God on this earth is supposed to be happy. And it's not because you got everything you wanted. This life with Jesus is supposed to be happy because God is with you. He never is going to leave you or forsake you. He's always going to empower you. All that He is trying to tell you and I is stop being proud. You say, I am not going to submit. I'm not going to submit to in the family. I'm not going to submit at work. I'm not going to submit to my government. And God says all the above is supposed to happen. And yet we resist submission in the home and we wonder why our home is in chaos. I don't want to submit. I don't want to yield. But yet Jesus submitted to you and I by dying on the cross for our sin. He yielded Himself to us. He didn't have to wait to. And therefore He comes and says to us, the church, just submit to me now. Because I have what's best for you in mind. I love you. Just do what I'm sharing with you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Just pull this inside of you. He says, draw near to God. He's going to draw near to you. Just be right there with Him. There's no one in this world that loves you more than God. There's no one in this earth that wants more good for you than God. And what's best for you. And sometimes that means God says no. And God is right. I've gone through times of weeping, fasting, begging, not knowing what is God doing. I've been weak. I've been at that place where I don't know what the next day or even the next hour is going to hold. But when we finally say, God, I can't. I don't know. All the news is bad. But God, I submit myself to you. God says at that point, when you openly yield to Him, what's the result? Satan 
fleas. Yay! That means victory. Mission accomplished. Where do you think the devil's going when he flees from you? Like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to find somebody weak that's resisting God and saying, God, I have a better way. Satan's like, hey, I got a plan for you. And he's going to take them and just pull them down and attack them. Don't let it be you. You say, I will humble myself before a mighty, powerful God who is my creator. I will submit to him with my whole heart. I will obey what his word is telling me to do. I will love him with my whole heart. No matter what the outcome, I'm going to submit to him because he knows what's best. And you watch what God does in your life. That's when the power of God is going to be on you. You, individually. Not, not Carl, you. And you're going to watch God use you in your home to create unity and power. And people are going to say, what's different about your home? It's God. We've submitted to God. We've given our home to God finally. The wife does her role. The man does his role. The kids do their role. We're working together in harmony. It's like, wow. And then the power can be seen. The power of God can be seen when we do it God's way. Folks, this is not that hard. Christianity is not as hard as we make it out to be. Just take God's word and agree with it. When he says it, we do it. You say, boy, preacher, you must have it all together. You have no idea. I'm preaching to me today. This is all about me. You just happen to be here. <laughs> we all go through this. And when you get away from I want to resist, I want to resist. And then we're miserable. But we just go over here on the right side and say, okay, humble, grace, power, devil fleas. Yay. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Your word is amazing. It gives us the, the whole concept of who you are, your power, and how powerless we are, and that we need you. So may we submit to you in our hearts. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, my friend, if you haven't submitted yet to Jesus Christ as your Savior, He wants to take you right now and love you. Make you one of His kids. Because He sent His Son, God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for your sin because He loves you. And He wants to save you just the way you are. He wants to take you and forgive you and make you one of His children. Give you eternal life so that one day you're going to be with Him in heaven. You can serve Him now and then. So by faith, if you just come to God and be honest with Him and say, God, just something like this. God, I am a sinner in Your sight. And I know that. And I believe that's why You sent Your Son Jesus was to die on the cross for my sin. I believe He rose again for me three days later. And now I call on You to save me or deliver me from my sin, forgiving me, and to give me eternal life Help me now, Lord, from this day forward to keep you first. Help me to submit to you. Help me, Lord, to serve you all the days of my life. One day I'll be able to stand before you. Because, God, I want to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Help me to serve you. If you prayed something like that and invited Christ into your heart, we are so glad for you. We've done the same. And please let us know. Don't be ashamed or embarrassed about it. It's a good thing. 
and uh, let us know or someone know about that decision that you've had. Let's stand together. Kathy's going to play through a verse of invitation. And as she plays, if God's worked in your heart, you need to come. We encourage you to come. unite our hearts together, you hear us all as we talk to you about ourselves, about our walk with you. You're hearing the confessions and many of us in this room saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I've been resisting you. And they're submitting right now. They might be submitting one thing. It might be multiple things that they need to submit. But God, as you know my prayer, that by your grace, may they be empowered to do it. May that verse herald through their minds constantly, I can do all things through Christ, because He strengthens me. Father, I pray that you're going to use this hour to encourage and help Christians in their journey here. That their walk with you is going to be sweeter and more joyful and happy because they're doing it your way. Thank you, Father, for this time of your word. Bless these folks. And I pray, Lord, you're going to be bringing a healing in many lives this day. I pray, Father, that you'll take us home safely. And may we reflect our Savior this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.